and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, back with a little bonus episode for those of you that have been listening along. You'll realize I watched the wrong show on a previous episode with Richie, and having put the hours in to watch that Clash of the Champions, I decided I wouldn't let it go to waste. I'd find something to review it against, and here we are. I thought, what better to review a Clash against than a Saturday night's main event? But unfortunately, by 1993, Saturday night's main event had well and truly been and gone. So what I did was I wound the clock back to 92, and we have the 14th of November, 1992, final episode of Saturday night's main event in its original run, taking on the January 13, 1993 episode of Clash of the Champions. So a bit of a mishmash from two separate years, but two good shows, um, and something to review as a little bonus episode here for everybody to check out. I obviously watched Clash of the Champions first because I thought I was reviewing that with Richie. So we're going to head over to WCW right about now and see what the Clash had to offer in early 93. Clash of the Champions! Only a cage of this magnitude could contain a titanic struggle between the evil team of world champion Big Van Vader, Barry Windham, the Barbarian, and Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, and the team of Sting, All-American Ron Simmons, the natural Dustin Rhodes, and heavy metal Van Hammer. It's mayhem in Milwaukee in Thunder Cage! the most coveted team titles in wrestling are on the line when unified world tag team champions Ricky the Dragon Steamboat and Shane Douglas are challenged by flying Brian Pillman and stunning Steve Austin. Live from the Mecca in Milwaukee, World Championship Wrestling presents Clash of the Champions! So as you heard there, the Clash is Mayhem in Milwaukee, the Thunder Cage, and we're from the Mecca in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We start the show with Tony Schiavone with Cowboy Bill Watts, who chats a fair bit of nonsense. Um, Tells us that Tony Atlas is stepping in for Van Hammer in the arm wrestling match as Van Hammer is injured. Eric Watts has been suspended for hitting that STF on a gas station floor against Arn Anderson. And it'll be... Sorry, and then we send over to Larry Zabisco with Eric Watts, who cuts a promo that is as bland as his shirt is loud. Seriously, go and check that out. It is hideous. Before we throw to our commentary team for the evening, JR and Jesse the Body Ventura. Our first contest for the night is Cactus Jack versus Johnny B. Bad, which starts out with a slugfest before Bad hits a drop kick and an arm drag. He goes for a top rope sunset, but Cactus moves and then drops an elbow on him for the 1-2-3. Okay, so bit of a quick one, and wrestling logic definitely applies to the finish here. Here is my main gripe with it. He goes for a top rope sunset and Cactus Jack moves, and that's the major move that puts him down for the three count. However, had he hit the sunset flip, is the landing actually any different? It's still a somersault off the top rope to the canvas. So it goes from being an offensive maneuver to a match ender, and there's no actual difference in how you land. It um, just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. From there, Tony Schiavone shills the WCW hotline, and we go to the Too Cold Scorpio music video, which I think I've spliced a little bit in previously, so I'll save your ears here, because it's more about the dancing and the fil- and the video than the actual song itself. From there, we go to Too Cold Scorpio, taking on um, future ECW alumni, Raven, currently known as Scotty Flamingo. So yeah, two ECW stalwarts locking up beforehand in WCW here. We get a Scotty Sucks chant, and then Too Cold hits a back elbow and a kick. They brawl along the outside before Scotty hits a drop kick and a plunge up. Yeah, I wouldn't normally think that um, Scotty Flamingo would be one to hit the plunger. And Jesse agrees with me. He says he's usually the giver, not the receiver. 
Mm, poor choice of words there, Jesse. We get a snap suplex from Scotty and then a two-cold drop kick and a slam. A top rope splash gets him a two-count before Scotty comes back with a clothesline and a roll-up, both for twos. And then two-cold hits, scor- uh, hits a Scorpio, hits a super kick and the 450 for a one-two-three. And what was a pretty decent little bout here. Um, props to both guys. I really enjoyed that. Now, our big Thunder Cage tag team main event um, sees Rick Rude injured for this one. So we go backstage to see Harley picking in his replacement, which I'll splice in here. Because of a neck injury suffered by United States heavyweight champion ravishing Rick Rude, Team Vader spokesman Harley Race was forced to make a substitution in tonight's Thunder Cage showdown. Race explained to Michael Hayes on Sunday's main event broadcast how he planned on replacing Rude. Well, let me explain it to you, Michael. First off, you go out in the WCW yeah. and you look around and you find the toughest two individuals yeah. that you can possibly get. Cool. Then you bring them into a ring and you let them wrestle one another to determine who's going to fill that void. And I went out and I found two of the nastiest, the meanest, and one of them a great superb athlete to go along with it. The other one just downright nasty and oh, mean. Mr. Wonderful, Paul Arnoff, and Cactus Jack, Cactus Jack, are going to wrestle one another right here in this ring tonight. And I'm going to be walking around this ringside, and we're going to see which one of them comes out on top. And who comes out on top is going to fill that void. So the match was set for later in the program between two of WCW's toughest competitors. Here's the explosion that ensued. Race pushing Cactus Jack back in the ring. What a battle we have had here. Cactus wrecking the eyes of Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. Cactus here on the apron. And Cactus, Cactus comes off on Harley Race. Cactus Jack was obviously pushed back in the ring by race one time too many. The New Mexico madman grabs Orndorff's foot and brings Orndorff now out here on the apron. This is a no disqualification street fight to see who replaces ravishing Rick Rude. And wait a minute, there's Big Van Vader. Vader from behind, he must have been watching on the monitor. And one race was manhandled. Here comes the world's heavyweight champion. Hammering away at Cactus Jack. And now here comes Harley Race. He sends the referee outside. That should cost him some money. And then we see footage of Cactus Jack versus Paul Orndorff, which ends in a Vader and Paul Orndorff beatdown of Cactus Jack. Next up, we go to Brad Armstrong in singles action. So all of you WWE Network aficionados know he's taking on Chris Benoit. We get a quick exchange before a missed drop kick from Armstrong and then lands a drop kick afterwards. He hits an arm drag and there's lots of chain wrestling and reversals here. It is quite a good start. We get a springboard clothesline to the apron, which is really cool. Uh, a slam and a missed top rope headbutt from Benoit. A neck breaker from Armstrong for a two and an arm drag. Oh, sorry, a um, dragon suplex for the one, two, three. I completely misread my own writing there, which if you listen to this show, you know I do quite often. I've got terrible handwriting as a side note if anyone's not figured that out by now. But I wrote, opponent hits dragon suplex for the one, two, three. Trying to make a joke about the fact that they don't mention Chris Benoit. And as a 
result, I just confused myself. So Benoit wraps up the one, two, three on Armstrong. Um, decent contest. This one was a bit slower than I made it sound. There was lots of sort of slowdown spots in between, but not too bad. We go to a video package on the Rock and Roll Express and the Heavenly Bodies from Smoky Mountain and an ad on Super Brawl 3, which you've definitely sold me on. I think I'll be watching that one. Thanks. And then it's time for Jesse Ventura to host the arm wrestling segment between Vinny Vegas and Tony Atlas. This is left-handed because Vinny Vegas believes that's going to be to his advantage. He wins the arm drag, uh, arm drag arm wrestling segment with little incident, really, and then cuts a promo with Jesse, which I'll splice here. It just goes to show how far Nash came as a talker later on when you hear this one. Vegas wins it left-handed. Vinny, my man, you should have told me you were left-handed. You proved it tonight. The left hand is powerful. What do you look for now? Hey, I just beat the real competition. Hey, buggy with mine. I know you're at home watching. Hey, don't let me have to send my people to come get you, coward. Get on the table with the bin man. I'm going to put you down. This is the strongest arm in WCW body. Whoa, there you got it, Van Hammer. He says he's got the strongest left arm in WCW. He proved it by beating Big Tony Atlas. We'll be back with The Clash right after these messages. From there we go to the Wrecking Crew taking on Z-Man and Johnny Gunn. Z-Man starts with a top rope crossbody, which only gets him a one count, a drop kick, and then a Johnny Gunn plancher onto both the Wrecking Crew. Clever to land on the um, entrance mat and not the um, concrete floor with no pads there at ringside. So well done, guys. We get lots of drop kicks and hip tosses and arm drags and whatnot, and the heels come back with power moves, but can't really stay on top of the faces for a while until finally they hit the wrecking ball for the one, two, three in what was a pretty uneventful match, but not too offensive, thankfully. We then go backstage to Larry Zabisco with the Hollywood Blondes, and only Brian Pillman speaks in this promo, which is quite strange, before we go out to a commercial break. When we come back, Tony Schiavone is with Sting, Ron Simmons, and Dustin, who all cut little five-second promos, and Larry Zabisco is with Vader, the Barbarian, Paul Orndorff, and Barry Windham. Harley does all the talking here, cuts a promo. Um, there's no Cactus Jack, um, and then they fire the Barbarian, who tries to choke Harley Race before the heels jump him, and Paul Orndorff gives him a pile driver on the concrete. A bit of a ruthless streak coming into Vader and Harley Race here, dumping heels that fail them in any way. We go to highlights from Super Brawl 1 and 2, and then Larry Zabisco is with Ron Simmons and... Sorry, not Ron Simmons, Ricky Steamboat. Initials, I really should write full names. Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas. They cut a little promo and we go to a commercial break. And when we come back, it's time for their title match against the Hollywood Blondes. Steve Austin and Ricky Steamboat get off to a really quick start here before we go to a four-man brawl. We get a hip toss and a drop kick and then quick tags from the faces. Brian Pillman fakes a knee injury and Shane Douglas hits a power slam. The faces do some good double-team moves and tags before Pillman comes back in and hits a slam for a two. He distracts the ref and they throw a steamboat over the top ropes and no disqualification. Austin hits a slam on the floor and then a back suplex for a two. Steamboat here plays the face in peril really, really well, selling a lot and allowing the heels to beat up on him before hitting the hot tag and we get another four-man brawl. 
Austin uses the belt, the referee sees this and issues a disqualification, and then we get a beat down and the faces come out to, or the face locker room comes out to save Steamboat and Douglas as the Hollywood Blondes blow their first opportunity at the tag titles. We go to a commercial. When we come back, we've got footage of Vader taking the title from Ron Simmons. Jesse is with Harley Race and Vader, and Ron Simmons comes out. They brawl, and he hits that beautiful Ron Simmons spine buster before attacking Harley Race in the aisle. And then Vader attacks him and hits a couple of shoulder breakers. And we have Dustin Rhodes and Sting coming out to save as we go to commercial. When we come back, it's time for the big Thunder Cage main event. And after the injury angle, Ron Simmons is not going to be in this one. So it's Barry Windham, Vader, and Paul Orndorff taking on just Sting and Dustin Rhodes. JR tells us we're running low on time, which is not a good start for your big cage match main event. Dustin hits a clothesline, Sting a bulldog and a press slam, an inverted atomic drop and a DDT before the Stinger splash. Vader, however, comes off the top with a Ho-Train attack, which is wicked. Hits a slam, um, Paul Orndorff hits a German suplex, Barry Windham hits a suplex for a two, and it's just a three-on-two beatdown. Um, Vader does the Ludwig Borger toss-up in the air and punch that he did on Marty Jannetty at SummerSlam 93, for those of you that watched WWF in that time, and it's really cool. We get the hot tag from Sting, who's been selling for a while to Dustin. He runs wild. Cactus Jack comes out with bolt cutters, cuts his way in, hits the heels with a loaded boot, and then a big boot to Paul Lander for the 1-2-3. So Cactus Jack comes out, joins the face team, and gets a win. We have a last commercial break before we come back, and Cactus cuts a quick promo before the credits. So overall, a pretty eventful Clash of the Champions show. Lots of good stuff on it. Um... Certainly good storyline work. A bit of a shame that Rick Rude and Ron Simmons bowed out with injuries, but otherwise really, really enjoyable. And for the time period, pretty decent star power. So if you haven't watched this clash, I'd definitely recommend you go and check it out. But for now, it's half time. Peace, God. Peace, God. Now the shit is explained. I'm taking niggas on a trip straight through memory lane. It's like that, y'all. It's like that, y'all. It's like that. As mentioned on the last episode, I'm going to use some of these halftime segments to run two-minute movie reviews, and for today, I'm going to talk about a movie that features one of the stars of The Clash of the Champions, Jesse the Body Ventura, and talk about the original Predator, which I watched yesterday evening. Predator is one of them classic action films. If you're a Schwarzenegger fan or love that sort of 80s, 90s action genre, you can't really go wrong with Predator, one of the best of all time. Great cast as well with Carl Weathers in it, who, of course, is Apollo Creed in the in the Rocky series, Arnie and Jesse Ventura, amongst others. Um, as far as the special effects go with a alien Predator that can become a chameleon and go invisible, I'd say the invisible portion of the special effects when he's changing from being visible to not visible and you can see like they have to show you the outline as he moves so you can see where he is probably don't really hold up so well but everything else they did as far as gunfights explosions all the other stuff really can't poke much of a hole in even in today's eyes to be honest with you certainly not for the casual movie viewer but if you're one of them people that likes um, action films or that kind of sort of 
Arnie shoot 'em up stuff and you've never seen the original Predator, you're really doing yourself a disservice. And if you're not a huge action movie buff, but you do like really historically significant movies, I'd say Predator's up there as far as that genre goes. It's certainly one of the best of all time. And it'd have to be in Schwarzenegger's top three or four movies ever made, certainly. But yeah, that's my two-minute movie review. Jesse Ventura, of course, with the classic line that you may or may not have heard through the years when he gets a stray bullet graces his arm and one of the other officers says to him, you're bleeding, man. You got hit. And Ventura fires back with, I ain't got time to bleed. If you've not heard that line, and definitely go and check it out. You need to hear Ventura in all his glory in this movie. He's not in it for too long, but he does have a decent amount of lines and good character development before getting... I won't spoil it. Go and watch it. Cheers, guys. Saturday night's main event portion of the show. The commentary team here is the classic Vince McMahon and Bobby the Brain Heenan, but the most disappointing aspect to opening up this show is the fact that we don't get the classic Saturday night's main event opening promos with their classic backgrounds, with their logos and stuff. Really disappointing there. The good news is we've got three title matches on the show with the Intercontinental World Heavyweight and Tag Team Belts all being defended. And it's a tag titles we start off with as Money Inc. defend against the very short-lived but memorable tag team of the Ultimate Maniacs, Ultimate Warrior and Macho Man Randy Savage. We get a pretty good four-man brawl to start and the face is clean house. We get a um, mid-match brain scan while the faces are on the floor. Oh, sorry, the heels are on the floor, which is interesting. Million, uh, Macho Man hits an atomic drop and Warrior at vertical suplex. It's all faces early. Ted face plants the Ultimate Warrior, who humps the mat as he goes down, which is quite funny. And IRS locks in a sleeper. This allows us to get an inset promo from Ric Flair and Razor Ramon on Mr. Per- oh, sorry, and Mr. Perfect, which I'll splice in. Here's our. I'm sure they're happy about this. I wonder, Mr. Flair, would you venture who will win the matchup? Do you care? Hey, it doesn't matter. We don't care. All we know is that if the Ultimate Maniacs make it out of here alive tonight, next week, they got to really learn how to survive. Hey, Nick, man. Oye, mi chico. 
We already proved if we want gold, we just take. The bottom line is, Ultimate Maniacs, you may become champions tonight, but Survivor Series, you will not survive. My two men will see to it that somebody gets hurt. When we come back, the Warrior and Ted hit a double clothesline. Macho Man hits a top rope elbow, but Ted DiBiase makes a save for IRS. Another four-man brawl, and the heels leave and take the count out to avoid losing their titles. Macho Man and Warrior get annoyed with this and chase him down the aisle, but get suckered by Flair, Perfect, and Razor Ramon, and it becomes a five-on-two brawl. We go to a commercial after the faces have been beat down, and Vince McMahon promised um, a Bret Hart music video, and he, I've got to go and look for it. It wasn't actually on the network version of the show. So bear with me. I'm actually going to go and scour YouTube mid-episode and see if I can find it. And if so, I will splice it in right about here. If I don't, well, there's not really any repercussions. You don't pay for the show, so put up with it. When I was a young boy, I was working for the state. I wasn't making much money. I was staying out late. As you can hear, I found the music video. It was actually set to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers making some noise, and it featured clips of Bret Hart from his WWF career as well as childhood with Stu and the family as well, so it was pretty cool. After that, we go to Shawn Michaels taking on the British Bulldog for the Intercontinental Championship. So this is where I realized my heart was going to break on this show because obviously being a young Englishman and the Bulldog in 92 won the Intercontinental title at Wembley, I was... um pretty disappointed that his title reign didn't really go anywhere and I have always known that this was a match where Sean took the title but had never seen it didn't know it was on this show um or it blocked the memory or whatnot so that is what it is let's get started it's Sean's speed versus the Bulldog's power early and that's a story they tell Sean with an arm drag and arm scissors Bulldog powers up and hits him with an electric chair drop out of it which is cool and a press slam he clotheslines Sean out it's a really good quick exchange Shawn Michaels exposes the buckle as we go to a commercial. There's an abdominal stretch and the Bulldog's selling his back um, since the press slam while Shawn works it over. Vince says the Bulldog defeated the Mountie at SummerSlam. Uh, yeah, he says we... Oh, sorry, he says we... He does not say he defeated the Mountie at SummerSlam. I'm thinking, no, he fought Brett. He says he will defend against the Mountie at SummerSlam, and I'm really sad that we lost that match. Um, I would have loved to have seen a pay-per-view title defense from the Bulldog. He hits a clothesline for a two, and his classic delayed vertical for a two. Before he goes back first into the exposed buckle, he goes for a superplex afterwards, and unfortunately, he's not got the strength. Shawn Michaels turns it into a cross body and picks up the one, two, three, and this was actually a pretty good match. Um, heartbreak for me that Shawn took the title, heartbreak kid, of course. Um, but yeah, no, overall, it was a good match and definitely worth a watch if this is one of them, like me, haven't seen it before. We get a promo from Perfect Flair and Ramon before going to a commercial. And when we come back, it's time for Bret Hart, the fightingest champion, to take on Papa Shango. Beforehand, we get a promo with Mean Gene Oakland. Um, talks about him learning um, to be a champion and becoming a dad and whatnot. So I'll slice, slice, I will splice that one in right about here. Now to have standing next to me, the newly crowned World Wrestling Federation champion, Bret the Hitman Hart 
who recently made history in Saskatoon when he got the then-champ Ric Flair to say I quit with that painful leg lock known as the sharpshooter. And tonight, Bret Hart, your first network title defense here on Saturday night's main event against 300-pound-plus Papa Shango. You know, in a situation like this, all I have to do is think about my father. You know, my father was one of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time, and I come from a real big family. I got seven brothers. You know, and ever since I was like this tall, he's been taking all me and my brothers down to the basement. We got a little room down there, we call it the dungeon. There's a little wrestling mat down there, and he's taught us wrestling. He's taught us how to be tough. He's made us fight, and I learned hold after hold after hold, and I learned to never quit. And I took all that knowledge, and you know, it was my big dream to find myself in the World Wrestling Federation eight years ago. And before long, I worked hard enough, and I dug in, and I dedicated myself. I found myself co-holder of the tag team titles. And you know, whether you win or lose isn't important, because you keep learning. You learn from every single match, and you learn from every single opponent. You know, it was a big dream for me to find myself the Intercontinental Champion. I never thought I'd get higher than that. But as I stand before you right now, I am the World Wrestling Federation Champion. This, this is a dream come true. And Papa Shango, Papa Shango, he's not going to take it away from me. When the match gets started, we get a Bret Hart monkey flip and a cross body for a two, an inverted atomic drop and clothesline out, followed by a plancher. We go to a commercial, and when we come back, Papa Shango gets a bit of offense for a little while, a bear hug, a lifting choke, and a nerve hold. Before Bret fires back with some of the five moves at Doom, the Russian leg sweep, the second rope clothesline, uh, both getting twos, and then locks in the sharpshooter for the tap-out victory. Not tap-out, verbal submission back then, but you get my drift. We then head over to the funeral parlor where The Undertaker cuts a promo on Kamala before hitting a commercial. When we come back in, Gene cuts a promo, uh, sorry, Brett is cutting another promo with Gene before Shawn Michaels barges in. This is pretty decent, so again, I'll put a little clip of this one in here as well. World Federation, the Hitman Hart, nailing that 300 pound plus Papa Shango. However, as you saw earlier tonight, some interesting developments that definitely will affect you at the Survivor Series. Intercontinental champion now, Shawn Michaels. That means it's going to be champion versus champion when he meets you Thanksgiving Eve. You know, he said... Intercontinental champion. Hey, he's not the man that came out here earlier tonight and made the promise that he would become the Intercontinental champion. It was Shawn Michaels. He's not the man that came out here tonight and told everybody that at Survivor Series, I'm going to take what you think is rightfully you. Hey, 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 guys, please. Why don't you not talk about it and do something about I it? I got news for you, Jack. I don't know how good your memory is. Do you know who I beat tonight? Do you remember who I beat tonight? Let me remind you a little bit, Hitman. It was the British Bulldog. You remember him, huh? Do you remember him? That's the same guy that humiliated you in front of 80,000 people. And I got news for you. That is nothing. Nothing compared to what Shawn Michaels oh my, is going to so do to you at Survivor Series. Get ready, because you're not going to have that. Hey, 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 you guys. And then we see Bobby Heenan and Vince McMahon with a big box that they talked about earlier. Um, Bobby Heenan gets picks up a phone and says <laughs> one of the maniacs is not going to SummerSlam, leaving us in Survivor Series. Godly. Um, one of the ma maniacs is not going to Survivor Series. And he doesn't open the bloody box that they've been teasing. So 
overall a bit of a weird segment. I think this was last minute rushed in when they got word after they taped this show that the Warrior was going to walk, so you can forgive them a little bit. But yeah, overall, really good show. Clocked in at an hour on the network, this one, or 45 minutes after the 15-minute ad breaks were taken out, so it's one of the shorter episodes of Saturday Night's main event, but jam-packed full of good stuff from that time period, if you like, 92 WWF as I do. All that being said, it's now time to pick ourselves a winner. So for storyline, I'd probably go with the WWF. WCW had plenty of storyline advancement, but every time they advanced the storyline, we lost a character on the show. So I'm going to go with the WWF for that one. As a result, I'm also going to go with them for characters because they had all three belts on the line. Plenty of flair, razor, and perfect, even though they weren't wrestling. And then, of course, you know, the Ultimate Maniacs, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, British Bulldog. Every star they had available to them was crammed into that hour. Crowd heat, I'm probably going to go with WCW. The Saturday night's main event shows tend to be overproduced and you don't really get a feel for how good the crowd is, even though they were into the matches that they had. Production value, I'm going to go with WWF again. Um, There was a little seamless sort of swap over with the Warrior having to leave and the way they put it in. You wouldn't notice if you didn't realize these things were taped in advance and understand why the kookiness went on. So they did a really good job patching it up. Whereas WCW definitely in this time period looked a little bit older, which considering they were a year newer than the WWF, um, probably shouldn't have done. And for match quality, I'm probably going to... I think I'm going to give it to the WWF just barely on that Sean and Bulldog match. Um, There were some good matches in WCW. It certainly wasn't a terrible show, but probably keeping three matches with big stars relatively short and having the Bulldog and Sean get the extra time sealed it for them. There was no filler on that show whatsoever. So as a result, Saturday night's main event picks up a pretty handy victory. I could definitely on just about any category have the debate and if there was someone else on with me maybe it wouldn't be such a landslide but for me I definitely enjoyed Saturday night's main event a lot more that'll do it for today so thank you again for listening there'll be plenty more shows coming up in the near future hopefully I'll get Richie and Duncan and everyone back involved as well but if not I'll keep plugging away solo to keep the content coming catch me on Twitter love to hear some feedback on the show or get some reviews or anything the listens have gone really through the roof for me recently like um the higher listen shows are sort of three times what they were a year ago. Um, and there's a lot more of them. So there's definitely more people listening. would love to get some more interaction with everybody if possible. That'll do it for me. So I will catch you all down the road. The end is here. The game is over. No more pretending.